0: Now we're doing this series of talks, and this is the last week we're going to talk about wisdom, and we base it on the book of Proverbs, chapters 1 through 9. And 1 through 9, as I said, it's like, uh, you know, there's a little bit more of um, kind of some themes to it, and you can follow it through. It's a little bit easier to read. And then when you get past chapter 9, it's kind of like tidbits of wisdom. And so um, I know some groups and stuff have been talking about going through, hey, let's go through Proverbs, and and that's a great idea. Going through the first first nine chapters is fairly easy. (laughs) Once you get into the other chapters, it's like, oh, these are like random thoughts. And it's kind of like that. A proverb becomes more of a sentence or two. Um, versus what you're experiencing in chapters 1 through 9 is, is a little bit more of a, a description of what wisdom is about and why we seek it and, and what does it do for us and the benefits of wisdom. And that's really what we've been looking at as walking through that. So this last part is we're looking at chapters 8, 8, and 9. And uh, and if you want to turn there, I'd appreciate you turning there in your Bibles, chapters eight and nine, and you'll understand what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to focus on this word that kind of pops up a few times, and it's a word called prudent. And prudence, and what does this all mean? And so if you look at Proverbs chapter eight, starting at verse one to five, it says, Does not wisdom call out? And so one of the things we have to recognize, we've been saying this from the beginning of the series, is this wisdom is available wisdom is available for living life. In fact, wisdom is the language of the Spirit. And so if you want to follow Jesus in this life, you have to think about, how do I listen to this voice of wisdom? Because that's how the Spirit speaks. Does not understanding raise her voice? Does not understand, sorry, raise her voice. And at the highest point along the way, where paths meet, she takes her stand. And so this idea of pathways has been a big theme of ours. So what does that mean, that wisdom calls out or stands at the place of pathways where they meet? Some of your translations maybe use the words crossroads. In other words, when you come to a point where you have to make a decision, that's where wisdom sits. Stands there and says, hey, do you want to know? Do you want to know which direction to go right now? And so as we, as we understand spirituality in, in the book of Proverbs, is actually focused on decision-making. I think decision-making is one of the most spiritual activities you can do. And sometimes we think, you know, worship, singing, praying, all those other things, those are all spiritual activities, but I'm hoping through the series that you understand is that actually when you make decisions, that's a spiritual activity, That's something that God wants to be involved with in your life. And so it is available at the intersection of decisions. So, beside the gate leading into the city at the entrance, she cries aloud. She says, To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all humankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, gain understanding. Some of these words get repeated over and over again, and it's why we talk. the very first talk. If you've missed some of these, and this is your first week in the Wisdom series, probably it's a good one to go back and and look at. We talked about there's three approaches to wisdom, really, we see in this, and we see this in chapter 1. Is this mocker? There's a mocker voice. In other words, there's people out there, when they hear wisdom from God, they just mock it. They mock who God is. They mock the concept of God. They mock that there's wisdom, that there's a life to come. All of a sudden, they just mock it. That's really the only time we talk about that in the book of Proverbs, where we see it, because really, they're not interested in wisdom at all, coming from God. But you'll see repeated, as you go through these chapters, there's a couple different people that he talks to. The simple-minded, the simple people, you know, they're the ones just going through life, you know, try not to think too hard. Let's put it that way, really. Try not to think about consequence. Try not to think about the future. Try not to worry about anything that would take them down. Let's just be simplistic about life and go through life and hope it all works out. That's the simple. The foolish, they're the ones that are supposed to gain understanding. They're the ones because they're aware of wisdom. So God has spoke to them and they know it. They hear his voice, and then they're like, yeah, but I'm young, but, you know, I, I, I deserve this. You know, my situation's different. I'm unique. I think this won't happen to me. And so they snub their nose at wisdom, and they go about life doing their own way, hoping, again, that they won't experience the consequences of ignoring God's wisdom. And so really... Most of us fit in those two categories, and I've been in both for sure, and you go back and forth in different decisions. Sometimes you're hoping for the best. Maybe that's in your finances. Maybe that's in your relationships. Maybe that's in your health, all those things. Some people have been foolish. In other words, they've heard wisdom. God has spoke clearly to them, and they went, yeah, but that's hard, or you know what, that's inconvenient, or you know what, I I don't think it's going to be that bad, and so they just go ahead and do those things. And then near a couple more verses in Proverbs 8, he says, So I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. Now, that's not a word I hear a whole lot. Um, You don't hear the word prudence a lot. The only time I've heard the word prudence is when growing up, I heard, like, don't be a prude. I mean, that's what I heard all the time. Don't be a prude. And what did that mean? That meant, like, Don't be a stick in the mud. Don't be that person who worries about everything. Don't be that person who's thinking about it, you know, the consequence or, you know, just go for it. Now, honestly, I didn't get told that a lot. I've done all the stupid things. So, but, you know, there's always like one in the family, right, who, you know, is a little bit more like, wait a second, we should think about this before we do it. And everyone's like, nah, you know, let's go ahead. But wisdom dwells with prudence. So let's just unpack that in case you're not used to that word. Prudent means planning carefully ahead of time, right? Taking no chances, being sensible, being discreet about things. Prudence is exercising careful thought before taking action. Good judgment. I, I, this is, I struggle with it, so I have to preach on this. Being open, I struggle with this. All the um, 55 plus at the prime supper heard that I was the one that jumped on the back of the 10-foot crocodile in the wild. Yes, not really prudent, okay? Not very smart, not thinking ahead. I was the one that did those silly things. I guess I should have had the picture up there because I actually do have one. I showed it to the, the, the senior high boys this week. Maybe shouldn't, I got to think that through. Maybe I got to be more prudent about that. What I disclose exactly to them. I got to think that a little bit better as well. So prudence is not something that I would say has been my strong suit. But if it's true, if wisdom cuddles up next to prudence, like, if wisdom and being prudent go together, then we have to figure out, well, what is he trying to say here? What's really, really important? Now, another thing you're going to find in Scripture today that we need to talk about, and (laughs) I call it morbid. You know, I call it a little bit depressing. And some of you today are going to be like, seriously? Like, I didn't want to hear that today. Because the Bible says, look, prudence is about thinking ahead, right? And the Bible says the best thing, if you want to find wisdom, then thinking ahead means think about the end. (laughs) And a lot of people are like, that's one thing I don't want to think about. But if wisdom and prudence go together, Scripture will say, also thinking about the end of your life is part of finding wisdom and truth. Ecclesiastes, also known as the wisdom literature that Solomon wrote, he says this, Better to spend your time at funerals than parties. It's a little bit morbid and depressed. After all, everyone dies. So the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. you're like, you Now, in Ecclesiastes, he was kind of depressed, so I think he just needed to get out a little bit. He was pretty depressed in, in Ecclesiastes, but sorrow is better than laughter for sadness sadness has a. Refining influence on us. Now you've seen this, and I've already mentioned this in this series, that on your deathbed, or when you get sick, or you have a near-death experience, you know, I almost died a few times in my life, and in those moments, clarity comes. It refines things. It puts things into focus. He goes on and says, A wise person thinks a lot about death. Not so sure. But that's what he says, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. Now, in Scripture, in wisdom literature, the assumption isn't just that you die, right? The assumption is that you die, and then you will experience uh, standing before God and giving an account for how you lived. And so it's not like thinking about Death, is what he's saying. He's saying, yes, think about death, but then think about what comes next. That if you want to live wise today, then think about there's coming a time, there's coming a time when you won't be able to do anything here anymore, but you will experience standing before God and giving an account for your life. This isn't in my notes, so I'm cautious, but... Sometimes in Christian circles, we misunderstand that there's actually two different kinds of judgments gonna happen, right? There is a judgment that comes whether or not our our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, whether or not we've trusted Jesus Christ with our life, whether or not we've claimed what he did on the cross on our behalf. And there's a judgment. And then we go, and he says, looks us up and says, You trust me for your sin. I paid for your sin. You live for me. You follow me welcome but there's another judgment where it's how did we live our life how did we serve how did we treat others and there is a sense of we have to face a judgment and we have to put basically lay down our life as an offering in which it will be evaluated did we serve well did we love well Were we selfish? How did we give? Not just did we give. How did we serve? Not just did we serve. And so there's another sense that when we live this life, we are being held accountable. Jesus talked about it all the time. If you give a cup of water in my name, if you visit somebody in my name, if you do this in my name, yes, you're doing it for me. There's a day where we'll say, Hey, didn't I not do this for you? And some people say, well, you weren't one of mine. I didn't know who you were because you weren't one of mine. And so there's two different things we have to understand. What the Scripture is talking, when we say, think about the end, our life, he's not just thinking about how it's going to end. Think about there's an accounting. There's a day coming. And so in Psalm, the psalmist says this, Show me, my, O Lord, my life's end. And the number of my days, let me know how what fleeting my life is. Now I'm in this middle year, middle of life. Now my wife will she'll correct me. She said, "No, you're on the other side. You're you're off the edge. You're you're on the other side." And she claims to be on this side still. Give her a couple years, but but you know you get the we know this, and and you know for those that are older than me, right? I mean, the older you get, the more this this feels like this. Right? The more fleeting it is. The more quick it's moving. It's like sand. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. And when you're young, you're like, oh, I can't wait. You know, I can't wait till I'm older. I can't wait till I'm older. I can't wait till I get this. I can't wait till I get to that age. And and then the older you get, all of a sudden it's like, can you just slow this thing down? So psalmist says, well, remind me. And I think for the young, this is really hard. It's a little bit unsettling to think about life that way, but... It helps us find wisdom. It's a little bit of morbid, but it helps us be prudent. It helps us make good decisions and listen to the voice of wisdom. And so I was, I was thinking about, oh, this wasn't fun, and now i got to put you through it. Um, you'll forget about it by Tuesday unless you write it down, so you'll be Okay. So I was thinking about this, you know, when I was young, I was like 21 years old. If you, if you view time, so the thing is, time is life, and life is time. And so when you talk about time, you're talking about life management. That was an aha moment for me a few years ago, when I realized I didn't care about time management. Someone said, oh, you're thinking about it wrong. It's not time management, it's life management. Time and life are pretty much the same thing. If you don't manage your time, you're not managing your life. And so when you're young, if you think about a clock, you're at 3 o'clock. Well, that's not a, well, that's no big deal. It's like a quarter of your life is gone. But some of you are 21 or a little bit older, and a quarter of your life is gone. Welcome to the party. So my kids over there, they're older than that now. But it gets worse, because at 40 years old, you're at 6 o'clock. Now, some of you are just hitting that number. Looking over in this general direction more, right? You're, you're past done. I mean, you're, you are on the other side, honey, no offense, but you're past that. That's where we're at. But it gets worse, okay? Some of you are like, let's not go any farther. But if you're at 60, you're at 9 o'clock. You're at 9 o'clock, and then should we go one farther? 75, 11 o'clock? Is that sobering? That's what Scripture says, it's a sobering thing. It's a refining thing. Now, some of you are past that, and I won't go any farther. Borrowed time, someone said, yeah. Some of you are on borrowed time. I'm so excited. My dad's going to come preach in, in a couple weeks, and uh, he's going to come. And, and he has lived, I think, these—he's watching probably right now. But he's, watch, he's lived these years, I think, the best. I really do. I've watched him live these years the best years that you can live. So I I can't wait till he can come and and share with you. But yeah, some of you are, you know, we won't go any farther. You have borrowed time. But here's what we really know. In the book of Job, he says this, yes, but look, we know that our days are just numbered, right? I mean, that's assuming, and a lot of you have experienced loss where you're like, well, they didn't make it. No, that's the thing. The thing is, that's assumption. Again, of course, today, I looked it up. I I got some days back. Because I talked on this several years ago, and, uh, and I thought this all through, and then I, I redid what's the average lifespan right now. I won't tell you because some of you don't want to know, but I, I was like, I gained a few. I like, got some years back because it's getting better. But the bottom line is this, we don't, we're not in control of that. That's not guaranteed. That's not promised. And a lot of you know that. You've experienced loss. Or it was not guaranteed, and it was not promised. And so why do we not then just look at it like that, like a clock, and say, well, I have lots of time left? Is actually, you don't know. You don't know. You might only have a day. You might only have a week, a month, a year. You might. You're not in control as much as you think you are. So the psalmist says, And teach us to number our days. Yes, that's partly that we may gain the heart of wisdom. And think about your days that are numbered. They're numbered in days. And and so <laughs> I, I, I figured out, I thought, well, I'm teaching on this. So I got to figure out my average lifespan and number my days. I made a calculation error and didn't find it till this morning. I lost 5,000 days this morning. It's really just disappointing. I was like, oh, I got like 15,000 and something like that. And I'm like, oh, that seems a little, and I redid it this morning. I was like, that's ah, like 10,900 and something. It's a little scary. If, if what? If I can get to that end of those days. But that's, why is it saying that that's where wisdom comes? It says this, look, wisdom comes from being prudent. Prudence says think about things beyond right now. Think about a day when you will experience the presence of God and we will celebrate and we will rejoice. That's why we take communion. That that day, that those who trust in Jesus Christ, on that day will be saved. That's going to be a great day. And there's a day there where we'll realize that what we put into this life mattered. And so we want to live a prudent life. And so there's a couple things I want to just highlight Wisdom and prudence will teach you to put first things first. Prudence will say, look, you have to understand that your everyday matters and that we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that it accumulates, right? And so if you were to, you know, go to the gym just today, right? It won't change your life today. But you go another day and another day and another day, and all of a sudden, it adds up and it accumulates. But so do the negative things. So do neglect. Neglecting your health, neglecting your family, neglecting your finances. They accumulate too. So prudence will teach you that it matters what you do every day. Because why? Because this whole series is saying, look, wisdom is about walking a path. It's a journey. And you are on a path right now in many areas. And some of the key areas you're on a path in is relational paths. Some of you are in a financial path. some of you are on a health path. And hopefully you're more aware today about your spiritual path, that some of you are on a path spiritually, and it matters just like everything else matters. So we're talking about life management. We're talking about prudence. So I thought I need to give you kind of at least an example of what this, or a visual of what this looks like. So if I was to say your life is kind of like a jar, some of you have to uh, squint a little bit to see this, right? So what do you fill up your day with? That's a good question, because if if it's every day you do similar things, then that means you're on a path. And so when I look at my days, often they're filled with kind of, I'm going to put make it really simple for our simplicity, is our path is filled, I mean, our path or our days are filled up with like three kind of things, right? If you're like me anyways. And a lot of my day, you know, is filled up. And so let's say it's like a third full. We'll do like a third full of salt. Salt. Salt isn't great. You know, a third of your day is just stuff, stuff that you do, stuff that you experience, right? Stuff that you have to do in life. It's not necessarily something you enjoy, but it has to get done. It's why you go through a lot of days, and, and at the end of the day, you're like, I don't, what did I do today? What do I accomplish today? What did I achieve today? But sometimes you go through a year like that, and you look back, and you go, wow, I did a lot of stuff. I was busy, you know, I was active, I, you know, I had a lot of phone calls, I had a lot of emails, I did a lot of errands, I, I looked after a lot of other people's stuff, and people acted on me and asked me to do things, and I did all this stuff. I went to a lot of doctor appointments, you know, I went to the dentist, had some car repairs, I mean, I was busy, but a lot of it doesn't feel like it's worth anything. And this is where regret comes from, Right? If you fill up a lot of your day or your life with stuff, you will experience a lot of regret. And you're like, well, that's not all true. I mean, there's a lot of my day where I'm going to call them Cheerios because I didn't have breakfast this morning. So Cheerios are like, no, these aren't horrible things. I mean, they're okay. They probably don't aren't great with salt. But they, uh, you know, they fill up your day too. And those are things you choose. I mean, no, no, I wanted to do that, but they're kind of like different kinds. I mean, some of these things are, you know, they're things you're choosing to do, but they have some value to them for sure. Um, you know, there's things, you have to make money. Some of you, some of you see your job maybe as salt, and some of you see it as Cheerios. <laughs> depends on your job, depends on your perspective, but those are things you're doing, and, you know, they're not bad things, but they fill up a lot of your day. Sometimes it's just your phone. You know, is it good or bad? You know, neither. But is it wasted time? Some of you are playing video games on your phone, or you're watching a lot of videos and social media. And but at the end of the day, so my you know my wife will often come home. She works on my day offs, and she'll come back and she asks a typical question of me: is like, so what'd you do today? And I often look at those days and I go, well, there's. There's a lot of stuff I did, some of it, hey, and, I, and I'll point out all the salt stuff, obviously, because I want sympathy, you know, I mowed the lawn, and I fixed this, and I did this, and I did that, and, but, she's like, well, that would have taken like a half an hour, so then what did you, <laughs> it's like, I sat on the couch, I watched Netflix, I, you know, I, I did some neat, I, did, I played on my computer, I did some, you know, editing on the website, or, you know, I did some stuff that, no, this is meaningful stuff, right? But what she's asking is, well, what did you do of value today? Right? What did you do of value? And you say, well, but look at all those things I did today. I was really busy. And so what we're talking about is what we really know is when we think about value, let's let's look at value as like apples, right? We say, well, these are important. And you go, yeah, there's a lot of important things. But like, you know, I can only, I got one of them done today. I can only fit one. Right? And so we pick. And if you feel like me, you will you will understand this. And maybe you're prudent and you don't need this sermon, but if you're like me, you're like, if I can get one apple in a day, that would be that would be fantastic. Say, well, like, you know, I did something wise with my finances today, or I spent time with God today. Or I spent time with my my kids today, or I spent time with my spouse today, or I had a meaningful conversation with somebody because they were sad or upset or hurting, and that was really important. Relationships matter. But if you're like a lot of people, what you find really frustrating is that you know you have all these things that you really care about, but they don't all fit and so it makes you feel regret. It makes you feel disappointed in yourself. It makes you feel discouraged. Because either your you know, relationship with God's suffering doesn't have time, or it seems like your relationship with your kids are suffering because there's not enough time, or your relationship with your spouse, or your relationship with your neighbors, or something's there, and you're like, I know these are all important to me, but they don't fit because I have too much stuff. You know, if I could work less... And then you, retire. and then I know there's a lot of you retired and you found the same thing happened. You're like, how does that work? I still can't fit everything in that I need to get done. I want to ask, where's Lucas, my friend? Lucas, I've been hanging out with Lucas a little bit Wednesday nights. He comes to our, our youth. And Lucas, I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to help us out, okay? So if I was say, you know, say I got a you know, relationship with God. I got a relationship with my family. Uh, let's put in their health. Like, you know, like physical health is really important. Because some people are like, when would you have time to exercise, honestly? Like people who, have you ever seen people get mad at people who exercise? <laughs> they're just mad at them because they're like, oh, they just don't work hard enough. Right? They don't, you know, they, they do. I mean, I, I was an exercise freak for a while. And uh, <laughs> and I, I saw that look of disdain was like, you obviously don't work very hard. I was like, oh. Like, it's it's like, no, no. Like, so how, you're smart. So I brought you up here because you're smart. So I'm going to put you on the spot because I did tell you anything about what you're going to do. But I've been hanging out with him a couple. If you ever want to know about the world in general, like, and you want to feel like you don't know anything about the world, ask him some questions. Okay, he's been around the world. Is there any way that if we were to do this well, that all of that would fit? We could cut up the apples and try. We could mince them and mush them, but I wouldn't want to mention mush up my spouse and my wife and all that stuff. So if I was to, like, honor that, how, is there a way you think we could fit them in there? Can we get three apples to fit? Maybe four. And all the other stuff, because, like, that's what you're going to say to me. If I said to you, just put your relationship with God in place, look after yourself healthy, care about your family, you would all agree with me, and then you'd go home and you'd be frustrated and feel guilty. I don't want you to do that today. So I want you to know it can fit. Think it can? Okay, it could. Okay. <laughs> Good. Let's try it. Let's try it. So I'm going to hop a new jar up here. Okay. So if, if we put first things first, okay, and we actually lay that stuff in there, okay, and then you can try to dump that in there if you want, Don't make a big mess or I'll be in trouble. Let's pour in the Cheerios, right? Let's put in the things that we know we got to get done. Can't spill too much or they won't believe us. Okay, just start dumping. Let's see if we can get it to fit. Keep going. Keep going. We did it. Thanks, buddy. That's good. It does fit. And this is honestly, help me, this is what wisdom is. Wisdom isn't, you know, we can't, we have to take one or the other. Wisdom, God understands you're busy. God understands you have stuff. What he's saying is, will you listen to me and follow my wisdom? Because if we stare at that, we can convince ourselves that God just has too high of expectations of us. That those that live a wise life, they just don't understand your life. They just don't have little kids anymore, right? (laughs) Look over here. They just, you know, don't, they think retirement is all easy. It's not. It's busy. And so what God wants to do is say, listen, if you follow my voice, I will teach you. I'll teach you. I really believe that when you put what God asks you to put first the rest of life will fit in that. The rest of life will go around that. But when we're left to ourselves and we're just running in the moment and we're just trying to survive, we miss out on making the first things first. Prudence will actually teach us that. Wisdom and prudence will bring understanding to your decisions. I want to leave you with one thing. I want you to think about this. I remember I was sharing this with a friend here not too long ago, and God helped me understand. This is look what you, what you're doing when you're making decisions in life. Is you have to understand that every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Every time you say no to something, you're also saying yes to something. Would you think about that? If you say yes to something financially over here that you're going to do, what are you saying no to? You're saying no to something. You're making a choice. Every time you say yes to not taking the day off and doing something, you've, you've said no to something else. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your rest. Every time you say yes to a meeting in the evening, you are saying no to something else. And wisdom helps us understand that. Wisdom helps us take control of that. That doesn't mean we we just can't say yes or, you know, we get paralyzed. The truth is, wisdom teaches us to ask that question. And not in the moment, but wisdom talks about it on a path. If you continue to say yes to this, what are you saying no to? Remember, I talked about donuts, right? You could say yes to a donut a day, no problem. Probably won't end your life. But you're always saying no to something else. And so if you're saying yes to your family, you have to say no to something. You have to. If you're going to say yes to God in this life, you have to say no to something. You cannot try to accomplish both. It will not work. You will end up a very frustrated, discouraged, regretful, sorrowful person. So the big question of this series is what is it that God is asking you to make important enough in your life that you'll put first things first? Now, if it doesn't take long. I believe that because God designed us. So you'll see in, in Proverbs chapter 8 and 9. We can't go through all of it. It says an amazing thing. It says, wisdom was there in the beginning. Wisdom was next to God. When all life was being formed. Wisdom is how God built this world. Wisdom is how he built you. Wisdom is how he put together your body. Wisdom is how he designed relationships to work. It was wisdom that was there in the beginning that was next to God. He created wisdom and allowed wisdom to figure out how everything works. And so the question that we need to ask is, will we allow God's wisdom to direct our lives? It's a simple question. Yes, there's going to be mockers out there, and you try to live a wise life, and they will mock you for that. But then there's the simple, who just don't even think about it. They're just like, I thought I was just here to enjoy life. God's saying, no, 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 be prudent. Understand that there's so much more in life for you when you listen. Don't be foolish. Don't be someone that just goes, yeah, I know. I know God's important. I know my health is important. I know my family's important. I know these things are important. But knowing wisdom is not the same as living the path of wisdom. I said in the beginning, the very first Sunday, and I'll say it again as we end, knowing wisdom is not the hard part. Choosing wisdom, the decision of wisdom, is the challenge. So some of you today, you already know what God is asking you to do in your life. So we need to pray again that you will have the courage to do it. Look at what the end in Proverbs 9, he says in this section. Wisdom will multiply your days. Now, some of you are like, oh good, because my clock was like running out. What What does that mean, I think? Wisdom adds years to your life. You know what I think that means? I think it means impact. It means those years are going to be meaningful. They're multiplying. In other words, they're not just going to make a difference now, they're going to make a difference over and over and over again, generations, your grandkids and grandkids. Wisdom multiplies your life beyond you, beyond today, beyond this last breath. Wisdom as years, if you become wise you will be one to benefit. But if you scorn in wisdom, you will be one to suffer. So let's close off this series. And as so worshiping comes, I want you to spend a minute. I, if you haven't heard, if you haven't heard what wisdom is saying to you, what God is saying, God speaks, His Spirit speaks through wisdom, then don't leave this place. <laughs> I, I believe He desperately wants to at least give you one thing in your life to say, I need you to put this first. And when you hear that, then you either have a choice to look at God and say, you know what? I'm going to be a fool. I can mock it. Or I can become wise today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know me. (laughs) You know that I've heard wisdom many times at the corner at the intersections of my decisions, and I've chosen to walk a different way. I thank you that you are a loving, gracious God. I thank you that you are forgiving God. I thank you today that we can celebrate communion, which, <laughs> which means that we can fall at your feet and we can receive grace, forgiveness for all those sins today. But Heavenly Father, we don't want to keep walking in a rebellious way, or in a way away from you and away from your voice, because you have said in your word there's destruction and there's death down those paths. Suddenly, Father, would you just give us one thing today by your Holy Spirit that says this is something that matters. And it doesn't matter just for today, but it'll matter for tomorrow, and it'll matter for tomorrow, and it'll matter to the end of time. And you need to put it first. Would you be clear with that for us today? And then would you give us boldness and courage to say no to the other things that would threaten wisdom. And say yes to the things that would put it first. We ask for your help in this. In Jesus' name. Amen.